I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Okay, so this is another episode where I'm doing my thing um, in the kitchen, cleaning up after breakfast this morning, and I'm inspired. So I'm realizing that one of the things that has changed for me over each season of the podcast is that I'm trying harder and harder and harder to bring good content, which is good, because I should be doing that. At the same time, sometimes I do that at the expense of my individuality or my authentic self. So when I give these episodes that you know, are not me sitting with the microphone, just know that this is part of what I wanted to bring to the table is just my authentic self. And so sometimes in order to do that, I have to record on the go because I have a lot of things to say. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about anxiety and adversity and character development. So what is character development, right? That's something that people ask me all the time. The most listened to episode, believe it or not, of this podcast is the moral compass episode moral compass for those of you that are particular with language. Moral compass work is something that, you know, I didn't even really think that that would be the thing that people would be interested in or resonate with. Why? Well, because I'd never heard of it before I encountered spirituality. And Because when I look on Instagram and I look on these Facebook groups and I'm looking at what values mean, even if I'm looking through the humanistic lens of therapy, I'm not seeing values the way I speak about values. You know, I was looking through, you know, my my studies when I was trained in doing DBT. And I'm like, man, I really want to offer this content to people. Why? Because everyone wants it. Because that's the gold standard. And I'm looking, I'm going, wait a second. This values, the way that they describe values, this is, this is interesting. This is kind of different, right? One of the things that people teach in DBT or DBT clinicians will teach to family members is to quote unquote, find the kernel of truth. And when I think of character development, I think, okay, wait a second. Some things, especially within the context of morality are black and white. Truth is black and white. It either is true or isn't true. So if I'm in speaking with a client and they're having an emotional experience and they're having an emotional story because they've stopped thinking and they're now feeling, what I'm trying to do in my work is saying, hey, look, there is no truth here, but I'll tell you the truth. Come back to me. Remember, borderline personality disorder is a disorder of being on the border of psychosis and reality. Why do we call it psychosis? Because we agreed a long time ago that we would all exist in the same playing field. What does that mean? That we weren't going to exist based on what your internal dialogue is, that rules of society didn't exist in the emotional realm. Rules of society, social rules, they existed in, within a moral code. Spirituality was much more prevalent back then. We can even say religion is much more prevalent. Remember the difference there. I want to be very clear. There's a difference. Religion is something organized by man, created by man with man's rules. Spirituality is a connection to a higher power, right? A connection to the fact that there are things in the universe greater and bigger than us. I feel like most people can get on board with that. If you can't, then, you know, that's okay. We'll talk about that in another episode. My point is that that is, you know, years and years and years ago, that's what we decided, that we would create society, social rules, social norms within a moral code. But we've come away from that now. Now we're saying, hey, you know what? Let's find that kernel of truth in your emotional experience. Look, your emotions are real. So what prompted me to even record this episode is I got up today and um, you know, we usually kind of hang out, drink some coffee. LJ has basketball practice. We, you know, engage in spiritual practice. And so we just kind of relax and drink our coffee. And those are the times where I'll kind of be on my phone, you know, looking, reading things or just kind of scrolling too, right? So this morning I wake up and I'm scrolling and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling anxious right now. What's going on? 
So I think to myself, wow, why are you feeling anxious? Okay, I'm not validating any kind of kernels of truth in my anxiety because it is literally at this point, eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, the sun is shining. We have no issue in the moment that we're in. So I need to understand that the anxiety that I'm feeling is real, but that the story that my anxiety is telling me is not true. Again, I'm going to say that again. When I started to feel anxious, I validated the fact that I'm feeling anxious. I'm not just going to go, oh, I'm not feeling that. That's ridiculous. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps and move on, right? That's not not the case. That's what it seems like to many of you that haven't had that training, and I respect that. But what it is is saying the, the experience of the emotion that you are having is valid, but the story isn't. So what was the story? The story was I'm not doing enough. I need to do more social media stuff for the, for the podcast. I need to post more. I need to do more. I need to, you know, I'm inadequate. What? So then I start thinking, what is this story? I'm just watching it. We talked about mindfulness last week, right? I'm, tra- I'm even trying to bring DBT to you guys. I'm trying to bring it in. Why? Why am I doing that? Because I know that many people, even the people that I work with, they reach a certain point. In their recovery work, they're like, they get, they listen to this podcast and they're like, yes, I have hope. This is great. They even scheduled me. Yes, yes, yes. And then the moment that comes where they are in a moral dilemma that requires them to self-sacrifice, they're like, what else? Give me another book. Or they'll be like, can you teach me DBT? Okay, great. Because what needs to happen is that the individual in recovery, you have to realize that this is hard, that your adversity quotient And your resiliency, how resilient you are, and the measure of how much you're willing to put into your recovery is vital to your ability to grow. Vital. So I wake up and I say, okay, this is my feeling. I'm anxious. Okay. The story is not true. I'm not validating that story. And I'm not going to turn to my partner and my family and say, I'm anxious today, fix me. I'm anxious today, I can't cook breakfast. That's not, you know, none of those things make any sense. I need to look at what I'm, why I'm anxious. Is there any reason for it? So I check the facts. Is there any reason for me to be anxious? No. Why? Number one, we talked about symptoms. Borderline personality disorder is a symptom of chronic emptiness. So one of the things that I struggle with in our business is that I don't want to be on social media. Sure, I'll scroll once in a while, but I don't want to be on it. Why? Because I'm not empty. Because I'm not empty, I want to be outside. I want to be in the garden. I want to do silly things. We went to the Y last week and we played a a game of pickup basketball. I mean, that's fun. It's funny. To me, it's fun. Why is it funny? Because I am 39 years old. (laughs) I'm five foot four. And because I love my intense personality. So I get into it like I'm in the NBA. (laughs) I got charged. It's during March Madness. So the kid charges me and I fall on the ground. And like, everyone's like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, that happened to me. I just got charged. So I want to live, in other words. So there's no truth to the story that I'm anxious because I'm not creating enough at all. Right? But I still feel anxious. So I've checked the facts. I'm still feeling anxious and I'm feeling energetic. So I get up and I start walking back and forth because I need to do that sometimes. Is it my energy level? Yes. Okay, fact, what's the truth? I need to move my body today because I haven't moved my body. I have a knee injury, right? So I move my body enough to, you know, get that knee injury better. I tried that, that basketball game that was rough on me. I need to continue to stretch, figure out what's up with my knee, continue to eat healthy to decrease inflammation. So I'm pacing. I'm definitely making a commitment today. I'm going to move more. What's, what else? Am I hungry? Yes. Yeah, I'm hungry. Okay. So what do I know about myself and hunger? Well, when I have low blood sugar, I have moods. I get anxious. I get irritable. Okay, check. I'll go cook. Start walking in the kitchen. How am I feeling now still? Still feeling a little anxious. Why? I still feel like I'm not good enough. Okay, I check in with that thought. Am I not good enough? No. That's not true. I battle these thoughts, guys. I do. Because I want to bring content 
to you guys and I want to be present for you guys and I want to offer for you guys because I know what it's like to struggle through recovery of borderline personality disorder. Right? But no, I am good enough. Why am I good enough? Number one, because I'm not empty. Number two, because I am me. So my recovery is just unique, right? I learned about moral character development and morality. And I was willing to look at morality but when I was an atheist. Before I even found spirituality, I was willing to look at morality because morality is built into all of us, right and wrong, good versus evil, right? You know, I meet different people all the time. I respect all of them. I think to myself, okay, so you're an atheist and you watch anime and you believe in battles of good versus evil and, and video games and these worlds where they're, you know, like Avatar, where there's this beautiful world, but there's evil that comes into the world. So you and I are on the same page then. You believe in good versus evil. I believe in good versus evil. What separates good and evil? Morality, moral values, truth, honesty, integrity, discipline, compassion, kindness, love. Humility. So, the story of I'm not good enough, that's not true. That's thrown out the window. Awesome. So now what I've done is I've stopped feeling and I start thinking and I'm cooking. And I eat. And how do I feel now? Awesome. I feel great. I don't feel anxious. I feel good enough. I feel accomplished. I feel confident. I feel strong. Why? Because... I had an emotion and I allowed myself to go through the process of checking out as to whether or not that emotion is true. I didn't find a kernel of truth. The only thing that was true was that I was feeling some type of way and I needed to figure out what that was so that I didn't do anything that required a, a behavioral episode because I woke up and I felt anxious. Now, what was this like for me way back when? five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, whenever, well, I'll tell you, I'd wake up anxious. And then I would look at Jay and I would say, hey, this is, these are all the reasons I'm anxious. And then he would give me solutions and then I'd probably attack him. I might lay in bed. I might say, I can't cook breakfast. I can't engage in any of my gratitude or spirituality practices. I'm done for the day. I can't. I'm not going to take the dogs out. So I'm not going outside. Do you want me to brush my teeth? I'm anxious. And then that would create story upon story upon story upon story. And my day would self-destruct. I would self-destruct my day rather. So recovery means accepting who you are. I accept who I am. I do. Am I going to say, oh, I have an anxiety disorder? No, why? Why? Why does everything have to be a disorder? Why can't I just wake up anxious and hungry? Go get some food, figure out whether or not what I'm feeling is true or false, and move on. Oh, because if I'm doing that, Insta therapy says that I am invalidating my emotional experience and I should take time to you know, connect with my anxiety to feel it. No, I shouldn't. Let's say the situation is a bit different. Let's say I have, uh, I'm going into a social situation where I have anxiety, okay? little different, right? I wake up, you know, I, I get go through the motions, I'm supposed to go somewhere, I feel anxious, okay? Same scenario, I say to myself, what am I feeling anxious about a social situation? Social situations are hard. I have to make eye contact, I gotta hold in, am I crazy? Do I even know if they're gonna like me? Am I insecure about the way that I look, right? I'm sure, you know, many of you go through that. So I wanna bring this one up, social anxiety. A big deal. So am I saying that you should not consider that you're anxious in that particular scenario? No, absolutely. You should say to yourself, I'm anxious. What am I, what's the story my anxiety is telling me right now? Let me identify my emotion and find the story. The story my anxiety is telling me right now is that something bad is going to happen to me when I go into social setting. People are not going to like me. They're going to reject me. I'm going to feel awful. I'm not going to do it. This is going to be terrible. I'm going to have a panic attack. Everything, single catastrophizing event is going to occur. And I'm 100% certain of that because I can predict the future. Tell me, is that story true? I've worked, you know, I work with people all the time, you know, Monday through Friday. And people will say, yes, that's true, that they can predict the future. And that that's what's going to happen. They convince me of that. They try. 
try to convince themselves of that. Family members will say, but I found the kernel of truth. Okay. The only truth there is that you're nervous. Period. You're nervous. You're anxious. Right? The rest of it, you don't know. You have no idea what's going to happen at that event. Right? Other people aren't thinking of you. They're not judging you the way you judge yourself and the people around you. I mean, be real. How many times that you deflect off of the way that you feel when you're in, you know, a social situation by judging other people? Do you go to Walmart and just make fun of other people? That's wrong. People who are psychologically full and existentially full, they don't do that. Just letting you know, they don't do that. I used to do that. I used to be the first one to have something negative to say about someone else. I don't do that. I have no reason to do that. Why would I do, tell me why would I do that? I have a podcast with my entire life story for, you know, people to see here all over the world, just public, my life story. Who am I to point fingers? I have people call me and correct me on my language, my speech on episodes, and, you know, they'll email me about how I've gotten information wrong. I've said something wrong. Okay. Awesome. I'm not perfect. So who am I to judge other people? And believe it or not, again, most people feel the way that I feel. Most people. They're not walking around pointing at other people or judging other people. So your anxiety is real. But it's a reflection of the way you feel about yourself. So you check the facts and figure out whether or not the things that you're thinking would, would happen to you in the most extreme, catastrophizing circumstances, would they happen? And the facts are no. Where are you going to feel anxious? Yeah, can you handle it? I don't know. Can you? Why don't you think back to the last time you felt anxious? Were you able to get through that? Most people would say yes, especially people with trauma. You've been through way worse things than going into a social setting, smiling for a little bit, making eye contact, and then remembering that you control your choices. We have control over our choices. How powerful is that? People with BPD live in a world where we don't believe that we have control, right? At least I didn't back then. I didn't believe that I had choices. Choices was like such a concept for me. Whoa, I can choose my own choices and my own consequences. And I don't have to carry the guilt and trauma and pain of other people. So I don't have to people please. That was a revelation for me. And I'm going to give that to you again today. You don't have to people please. So if you're going to go to a social event, you know you can leave at any time, right? So there's the truth. So recovery is about getting through situations by thinking, being mindfully aware, being self-aware, checking the facts, not going into those emotional stories or emotional experiences, and understanding that it is your tolerance of adversity that gets you through. I wasn't always this way. No way. I would wake up anxious, and then anxious would turn to angry, and angry would turn to rage, and everything would be twisted upside down because I was creating some story that didn't exist in my mind, and I would impose that story on everyone around me. I mean, think about my my story. I was cutting myself when I was like 14, 15, all over Hiding it. I don't want anyone to see it. Writing people who are absolute strangers in music bands in California, letting them know that I was suicidal. What? So I, was I always this way? No. Not at all. What happened to me? I'll tell you what happened to me. Morality happened to me. That's what happened. Character development. I didn't never develop a strong sense of character when I was a kid because no one taught me how. Right? I respect my parents. I forgive them. I love them. I love my family as a whole. I do. But they didn't teach me how to have a strong character. And on top of that, I was lazy and disorganized and emotional and sensitive. So when they tried to teach me anything, I was like, ah, phew, I'm defiant towards that. I want to know emotions. Emotions are comfy. I want to know pain. Pain is comfy. So I spent my whole life there. And morality wasn't modeled. 
I didn't know that truth had no gray area. Truth always had a gray area, right? I'm just going to lie to get my way. What's wrong with that? But there's a lot wrong with that. Hopefully you know that, that a white lie is not okay. People will say, but, but you have to lie. You know, what if somebody asks you, do you know, do I look fat in this? You're just going to say the truth. I mean, no, I'm not going to say, Hey, you look fat in that, but you know, I don't know about you. You're people who are looking for loyalty from partners for not being rejected or abandoned. You know, think about that. Would you rather your partner tell you, Hey babe, you know what? You don't look fat. That's mean to say, but that doesn't flatter you. Or would you rather them to lie to you and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. To eventually find out that they never thought you looked good in that thing, because then you'd be the first person to go, you know what? You lied to me. You rejected me. You abandoned me. Yeah. So some things to think about. So what is your, what are you willing to tolerate in terms of adversity? They used to think that IQ was the thing that determined success, right? Long time ago. And then it was EQ, your emotional quotient, your intelligence quotient, your emotional quotient. Those were things that, you know, we, we would know if a child or an individual was going to be successful by the, by their IQ. I mean, I have, my IQ is okay. Right. It's okay. It's above average. I'm not a mental Mensa level IQ. Nothing like that. Nothing, you know, insane off the charts. Not at all. My emotional quotient when I was a kid, probably well below average, well below. Because I believe that emotions created a story of reality that was true. And I believe that I should live there. Not only that, but I believe that that should be the playground on which I play with everyone else. I believe that. I have a lie. You need to live it too. Cause that's where I am. And you should validate me. You want me to work hard. How many people I have say that my, my mom says, or my parents say that I should just, you know, pick myself up and work hard. Okay. Well, look, that's because they're playing on the playground of reality and you're playing on the playground of emotional reality. Those are not the same. They're not the same. That is what people have to do. People have to get up and they have to go to work and they have to figure it out. And when they fall down because they have mental illness or medical illness, they have to figure their way through it. They don't just lay down and die forever. Right. And that's what I refuse to do. I refused to lay down and just die. Oh yeah. I have a mental illness. This is the way my life is going to be. I'm going to send my kid to therapy. I'm going to, you know, isolate myself. I'm just going to clam up. I'm going to read workbook after workbook after workbook. I'm going to go to a therapist or a coach until they tell me what I don't want to hear. I'm going to quit that. I'm going to hoard information, but I'm not going to actually try to do any of the things that need to be done. Now, again, remember, BPD exists on a spectrum, CPTSD, EUPD, all of the acronyms. They exist on a spectrum, so there are some individuals that truly need inpatient care. They need a lot of help. So that needs to be determined and assessed before what I'm saying is relevant. There are also a lot of individuals who aren't where I was at 14. When I was at 14 years old, 15 years old, 16 years old, I couldn't have listened to this podcast. I would have thought that the voice that I was hearing, she, she was crazy and invalidating. So I'm speaking to, you know, those of you that never grasped recovery, but they find themselves in a position of life where they want to be in the norms of society. They don't want to be marginalized. So I'm speaking to you. And I'm saying, what? Are you willing to do to improve your adversity quotient? Life is hard. There's never a day that's going to come along where life is just great, right? Never a day. Because life is filled with problems, right? Sentry threw up on the carpet today. That's a problem. Sentry's the dog, our dog, our German Shepherd, right? So even after I got through all of those steps of like figuring out what's going on with me. I ate, I'm calm, I'm chill, I'm ready for the day. Sentries in the living room throwing up on the carpet. (laughs) Okay, that's a problem. Great. What do I do? Does my anxiety level freak out and I'm upset because I have to stop what I'm doing because I didn't expect it and I have to clean it. Oh my gosh, is he okay? Should I hold his hair back? No, not at all. Just grab a rag and I go clean it up because life is filled with problems. So you have to be willing 
to increase your adversity quotient. And one of the things that you have to be willing to do is understand that tolerating discomfort is a big deal. That's something that was said a lot when I was in residential treatment. We want to, you know, have we used to do these silly things like sit in front of a plate of donuts in a residential eating disorder treatment center because I was supposed to like tolerate sitting in front of the food, you know, so I could tolerate discomfort. Now, the execution in my particular case was poor because it didn't really matter to me much at the time. But the concept is great. And I see that with a lot of the DBT concepts. The concepts are awesome. Absolutely. You should definitely tolerate discomfort, but you have to tolerate life's discomfort. That's important. A lot of the times people come to me and I start them with simple things. Clean your room. Here's a formula to do that. Brush your teeth. Create a routine. Do your laundry once a week. Create a vision board. Identify your emotions. Practice being selfless. Those are the basics of recovery. I mean, mean, clearly there's more to it, but basics, right? So what I notice is that there's a large group of people who they just fall off after one, two, three sessions. Why? Because they think that they should be doing something cataclysmic. She's, oh, what do you mean? This is all you want me to do, but this doesn't fix my relationships. Okay. Yes, it does. Of course it does. If you wake up every day and you live the life of the person that you want to become, the person that you're either in love with, a married to, in a partnership with, that they love, that they fell in love with, or the person that you want your future romantic partner to fall in love with, how could that not help your recovery? Again, if we followed you around with a, a video camera, what, what would we see? Somebody with integrity? Or somebody who only does the right thing when other people are watching and then only halfway because they don't have practice developing their character. In order to have strength of character, you have to be able to overcome adversity. So stop looking for the next best thing. Put your workbook down. I love workbooks. I always recommend Daniel Fox. I'm writing one. I get it. But I want you to put it down today. For the next, let's say, three days. Create a schedule and just stick to it. Oh, but I can't. Because then I get anxious when the time. It's What if I just can't meet the schedule? These are some things people say. I'm not a schedule person. Okay, well, then you're not a disciplined person. I get anxious when I can't meet the thing at the exact time. Okay, well, I'm not saying that you have to brush your teeth every day at 9 o'clock because at 9.01 a.m., you know, you're just shame yourself for it. I'm saying create a code for yourself. Wake up every day. Do your gratitude practice. Do your spirituality practice. Scroll if you need to scroll. Go to the bathroom. Brush your teeth. Eat something nutritious to nourish your body. Understand that you're loved and valued and that other people rely on you and they count on you. And that if you're sitting around hyper-focusing on when you're going to get a text back from a person, then you're not living. So you're in your workbook and you're just sitting there and part of your brain is thinking about when you're going to get a text, if you'll ever find love, if your person is cheating on you, if, 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 and the other part of you is half paying attention to the thing that you're reading. Is that living? No. Is that going to increase your adversity quotient? No. So you have to be in a battle and fight the battle in order to be victorious in a battle. I said that last time. You have to be in a battle and fight the battle in order to be victorious. Right? Society has changed. It's changed a lot. My son has been on different kinds of teams. And I'll just use sports as an example. I like the example of sports. You know, you don't have to play sports to uh, have a good life, but being on a team is something I do find is important for child for child development. And teaching your children not to quit at things they say they're good at, that's another one. But, you know, regardless, let's say that, you know, you're on a team and the team that you're on, they give you high fives and stickers every time you move. My son played for this organization. I'm not going to name the organization because it's just not fair. 
for it's valuable to some people. So, but for me in particular, and people like me and my and for my son in particular, he was on the team, and you know it was a soccer team, and he'd run up and he would kick the ball, wouldn't go anywhere near the net, but boy, he got a lot of accolades. Sticker, terrible, terrible performance. Fine, I mean he was little, and he doesn't have to be perfect, but again. I don't want someone cheerleading me and giving me stickers and trophies when I'm not doing the right thing, right? That's finding the kernel of truth. That's to me, that's what that looks like, a participation trophy in life. Here's your kernel of truth. You showed up, okay? Showing up is awesome, but showing up and checking out, that doesn't give you strength through adversity. That doesn't make you stronger. It doesn't make you victorious in this battle that you're in. That's what it is. It's a battle. Look what I just described happened to me this morning. That's a lot to happen when you first wake up, isn't it? Jay will laugh. He'll say things like that. I'd be like, wow, a lot happened. Like, yeah, a lot happened. I already experienced an emotion, identified it, checked the facts, came back to reality, made myself some food, moved, cleaned up some, some throw up, and now I'm happily ready to record a podcast episode. I did all that. That's a lot. That's part of my temperament, though. Is that disordered? I mean, I don't think so. I'm going to have a great day. It is part of my temperament, though. I'm different. That's different. Sure. And how did I get here? I got here through hard work and increasing my ability to tolerate adversity. A long time ago, I sprained my ankle. This was when Jay and I first were dating. And I just couldn't tolerate it. It was awful. I hated that it happened. I hated how bad it hurt. I hated the swelling. I didn't want to put ice on it. I was so negative. I was crying and I was angry and I wanted him to stay home from work. And I wanted him to, you know, rub my ankle and I wanted him to find a solution for my pain. And it was terrible for him. I remember him going, look, you're not the first person who's ever rolled their ankle. It's not even broken. Oh, you're invalidating me. He wasn't. He was telling me, I'm right here for you. I look back on that and I think, man, all the things I was saying to him, that he wasn't helping me, he was being mean, he was being invalidating. He was being abusive even. I went there, sad that I would even go there, but I did. I mean, I look at what was actually happening. Here's how I missed reality so big in that scenario. Here's what was actually happening. He helped me walk from where I was to the house, sets me up on the couch, gets me ice, wraps my ankle, put, elevates my foot, gives me a hug, says he's sorry it happened, even brings me anti-inflammatory medication. He did all of that. I missed that all. That was all filtered out. I had no respect and awareness of when other people were treating me the way that I was claiming I wanted them to treat me because it wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough because he wasn't making all of my pain and problems go away. He wasn't sitting with me, staring at me going, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I'm sorry. This hurts. Like what would that have done? My ankle was rolled. And I missed it, how sweet he was. And then I punished him for being sweet to me. Now, fast forward. Now in recovery, I have this knee injury. I have medical issues because I put my body through a lot. Having bulimia, having disordered eating, messing around with thyroid medication, you know, having uh, addictions issues in my early 20s. Mess with me. I have lymphedema in my left leg. They have no idea why I have it. I have inflammation in my leg. It stinks. I have a knee injury right now. I'm nursing it. I don't want to go to the doctors because I want to stretch my body out. I want to take care of my body. I'm doing paleo for 30 days. And if I still have the pain, I'll go. But I can walk and I can stretch. I can figure it out. Yesterday, I'd been walking a lot. I took uh, Century out to the park. We're walking, play with the dogs in the yards, walking most of the day, feeling good. And then Century, he is a, a German shepherd through and through. He wants to be literally between my legs. So he tries to sneak between my legs while I'm trying to go down the stairs to the basement to get some laundry. 
and he ends up knocking into me in such a way that his collar, the, the metal part of his collar where the leash hooks on, slams into my left knee right up where my VMO is, right there, right where I'm having the injury. I sit down, start breathing heavily with this very faint scream. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm squeezing my hand. I'm feeling the pain. I'm saying to myself, all right, it's all right. You're going to be okay. I have to talk to myself out loud because it had been so many years where I couldn't tolerate it. So Jay comes over and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm all right. He's like, okay. And he just stands there and I'm talking myself through it. I'm like, Rose, you're okay. It's not the end of the world. It hurts. You're going to be all right. He didn't mean to do it. He's a dog. He loves you. You're okay. You're okay. You're all right. It's going to be all right. I took deep breaths and within a few minutes, it was over. I stood up. I shook it out. I gave Jay a hug and I thanked him for standing there with me, for reminding me of who I am. Gave Sentry a hug because I love when he goes through my legs when it doesn't hurt me that way. And I went and got laundry and it was done. I moved on. I moved on. Because I have learned that I need to, number one, fill myself. Psychological emptiness and existential emptiness was one of the key factors for me not recovering way back when. I'm full now. So I, you know, the antidote to this emptiness, one of the things I talked about was being less selfish, right? So I don't want my entire family to be on eggshells because I hurt my knee in a moment where my dog knocked into me. I don't want that. Right? And strength through adversity. I learned that for so long, I was wanting things from people that they were already giving me, but I wouldn't have seen it if they slapped me right upside the head. I have people who will tell me I don't have a J, so I can't recover. How do I recover without a J? Okay. Listen, a lot of you already have a J, but you don't want to look at him, them, family, friend, whoever it is, and say, hey, thank you. Hey, look what you did do for me. Because you're in a position where you're so empty that you want them to fill you up. And I'm telling you that you need to start with the small things. Stop hoarding mental illness information. Get off Instagram and TikTok. We don't live in an episode of that story with the horse, Bojack Horseman. What a great spokesperson, by the way, for BPD. Ugh, nauseating. Is it funny, the show? I don't know anymore, honestly. I have young kids that come to me and they're in recovery and they're really trying to get themselves together. I'm like, that's the thing that they're looking at. That's the thing. That's like the theme song for BBD TikTok. There's other ones too. This is just one example. And it, it, it's nauseating. It is. You don't need to live that way. You don't need to live like a cartoon of a horse guy. I can't believe I even have to say this. Strength through adversity. Put that stuff away. Take a look at your day. Take a look at your life. What else could you be doing with your time? But it hurts. But I'm worried. But I'm scared. I know that. That's why bravery and courage are on your moral compass, aren't they? What happened to bravery? Bravery is being afraid of something and doing it anyway. And then when you're done, not negating everything that you've, all of your effort and going, hey, oh, I, I actually, I just suck. Yeah, I was brave, but yeah, but not doing that. Being brave and being brave over and over and over again. That's how I got through that new knee thing yesterday. That really hurt. That hurt way worse than spraining my ankle in that moment because his metal collar jammed into my VMO in the side of my knee. And my knee gave out and shooting throbbing pain up my leg, not a hyperbole. That was painful. I'm fine. I'm walking. I'm pacing as I speak this. So remember that when you feel stuck in recovery, when you're losing hope in recovery, understand that you may very well just be at a position where you have to level up and you don't want to, and that's okay. But don't try to pull information from other people or leave your therapist or tell the person you know, that you're in a relationship with that you can't do this anymore. Don't do those things. Take a look at yourself in the mirror, honest self-reflection. What is the thing right now in your recovery process that you're unwilling to do because you believe it's too hard? I want you to do that. 
Am I saying that you shouldn't feel emotions? And am I trying to invalidate you? No, but I'm saying that you need to increase your ability to handle adversity, which in turn builds your character. I would never be someone of strong character, meaning what I do, what I say, and what I believe in all aligns. I would never be able to be that if I didn't have adversity. I wouldn't. And so that's what I wanted to speak on today. I wanted you to understand that life is going to be hard. That's not going to change. You can stop working. You can get government assistance. You can get somebody to help you to fund your life. You can, you know, get someone to be in a relationship with you and give you everything and be willing to be your favorite host. You know, you can have be in therapy and be in DBT group after DBT group or coaching for all, you know, long term and never lift a finger. You can do that. That's an option. That's one choice. Sure. Or you can recognize that you're in a situation where you're temporarily disabled because you have new skills that you need to learn and understand that this moment of adversity will increase your adversity quotient if you're willing to go through it. And every time you need to level up, it's going to hurt. I call them growing pains. LJ's 12 now. Great kid. Very much like me. And with every new stage of development, there's new revelations. He came over to me the other day. I'm washing dishes at the sink, and he's like, so you shook on it. You said that you were going to practice your dribbling skills so you'd get better at basketball, but you didn't do it. So I immediately assigned emotion to that. He wasn't coming emotionally. He was asking me, why didn't you do this thing that you said that you were going to do? I can't do it because I have this knee injury. So I'm like, what do you mean? I already told you I had this knee injury. Like my reaction was short. I was short with him. And he's like, okay. I was just asking you why you're not doing that. I'm already told you that I have this knee injury. So I'm still washing the dishes and he sits down at the table and then I pause and I think, okay. What did you just do? Because I was experiencing an emotion. Again, I recognized my emotion and I validated that I was having an emotion. And then I looked at the story that my emotion was telling me. I was telling myself a story that my 12-year-old was attacking me. That's ridiculous. That's not a thing. 12-year-olds, they don't, they're only modeling the behavior that they're engaging, that you're engaging in or that someone modeled to them. That's what they're doing. And they're trying to find out what their character is, what they like, what they don't like, what their identity is. And they're learning moral development. You know, he hasn't been consciously awake for all that long. So he wasn't doing that. So I realized it. Jay sits down, I'm about to plate the food for dinner. Everyone's going to, you know, help out. And I go, okay. So are you saying that you came to me and you just wanted to know why I haven't been dribbling and then I put a lot of emotion on that? And my son like put his hands to his forehead and he just lifted them in the air and he's like, yes. (laughs) And I said, I looked at Jay and Jay starts laughing because, you know, it's just, it's silly. And he's like, and I was like, babe, why do I do that? And he said, because you were deeply criticized and shamed as a child. And so when he came to you to ask you why you didn't do the thing that you said that you were going to do, instead of taking that as information and communicating on a basis of information, you're communicating through guilt and shame. I was like, whoa, this was recently. I mean, last week or the week before that. And that was painful. So I bit my lip. I walked over to my son. I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doing that. Gosh, it must have been really hard for you to just come over to me, ask me a question. And then I'm like attaching all this emotion to this question. I'm sorry. And he smiled too, chuckles, gives me a hug. And he's like, thank you. Awesome. And we moved on and we ate dinner. I got to tell you, that was hard for me. Deep inside, I had a pain. Because, you know, I'm still intense. I still have a sensitive hyperbolic temperament. So I'm, you know, I'm going through it. And I I put it in my box. I have 
learn containment, meaning when I have intensity, I will take the intensity of emotion I have and I'll put it in a box. I'll access it later. It's a, it's a visualization skill. And so later on, I had to access it. And, you know, I started crying. I was sad. I was sad that I did that, did that to him. And I wondered how often I had done that to him. And I wondered, what am I going to do about it? And I processed it with Jay. And it hurt. Because right now, my son is going to go through the phases of developing morality. He's going to, he's, you know, if you want a, more information of that, you can look at Kohlberg's K-O-H-L. B-E-R-G. He was one of the uh, psychologists, humanists at the time who was studying moral development and he created these stages and, you know, LJ is going to go through those and I need to elevate my game as he goes through those. I need to make sure that I allow him to develop morality, identity, emotional intelligence without taking the pain that I experienced when I was 12 and my shame, and my guilt, and my trauma, and giving it to him. I need to do that. I need to be very consciously aware of that. Because I play a role in the relationship with my son. My mission is to parent him. My mission isn't to get my emotional needs met by a child. No, I'm going to figure it out. But it it hurt. It was painful. It was painful, and it will be as he grows, because there's a lot that I have to learn. There's a lot that I have to learn, and I can't wait. I can't wait to learn it, but I will say that if I would have crumbled or if I would have pretended at the sink when I was washing those dishes that I didn't know exactly what I had done to him, that would have set him up to fail later on. That would have taught him that adults can just do that to him, that his own mother can take her guilt and shame from when she was a little girl and give it to him on a random evening when he was asking a random question about a valid thing. And I'm not going to do that to him because me, my experience with having adversity and increasing my adversity quotient and identifying my emotions, finding the emotional story that goes along with my emotion, checking the facts, And then doing the right thing with my rational mind, my logical mind, my wise mind. Those are things that I needed to do to be able to have a strong moral character, to be moral, to have integrity. So I'm going to keep doing that. Though I want to, no way. No, I want to be done with talking about emotions in my own household. I would love that. Sometimes it gets to be a lot, but I can't. I'm not going to run a marathon and then quit right when it gets hard. I just see so many people doing that. So I became very passionate about that today because I thought, man, these are the times where my clients struggle. These are the times when they're faced with a moral dilemma that requires them to take honest to take an honest look at themselves, to be selfless and humble, to be forgiving, to figure out what the person they love did do for them and stop filtering out all the good stuff. These are the times where they usually give up or crumble. And by give up, I mean, they'll try to hoard other information, workbook after workbook, specialty after specialty. Medication after medication, info, info, more, 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 feed me, feed me, feed me, give me more. But I'm never actually going to wean off the bottle because I want to be fed like an infant. And I'm saying that if you keep wanting to be fed with all of this information, but you never step out to have strength through adversity, if you can't even create a schedule for yourself by which you teach yourself and the world around you that you respect your body and you respect yourself enough to wake up, take a shower, groom yourself, clean your space, engage in a gratitude practice, move your body and eat healthy food. If you can't do that, then how are those workbooks going to help you? 
So take a break. And remember that increasing your ability to tolerate adversity strengthens your character. And knowing right from wrong and not expecting other people to know that for you is important. Morality matters. Doing the right thing matters. It just does. Your emotions that you feel, they're real, but the stories they tell you, they aren't. Especially if you have an overactive amygdala, the stories your emotions are telling you are way over the top. Accept yourself as that. Accept that this is this is your temperament. You're highly sensitive. Awesome. Me too. Accept it, feel it, and go live. Stop avoiding the things that you think won't help you because they will. If you can do the little things, you can do those big things. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. listening that was from borderline and beautiful a production of skeeter's strength mindset coaching systems we help frustrated individuals resentful couples and disconnected families navigate through tough times visit us on the web at skeetersstrength.com if you like this show remember you can hear it on anchor or apple podcasts or pocket cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts subscribe to get a new episode every monday Next time on the show, we're going to continue our eating disorder series. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So... If you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful, hope and help for individuals with BPD. 